0: College Acres, it's good to be with you this morning. We're starting a new series today uh, through the life of, as Jesse said, through the life of Joseph. And there's an old saying that many of you may know, that when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, right? And so that's kind of what we uh, themed this series around. And maybe you got a glass of lemonade as you walked in this morning. And as refreshing as that might be, I'm willing to bet it on a hot summer day after you've been out working in the yard or whatever, you come in, you drink a glass of ice-cold lemonade, it's even better then, right? Yeah, so when, when, you, when you make lemonade, you need three things, right? You need uh, sugar, you need water, and lemons. And, you know, we couldn't make, if, if we just had these two, we couldn't make lemonade. That would just be lemon water. It would be kind of sour. Uh, so we got to add the sugar. You know, the sugar makes it that nice drink, that we really enjoy. And some of you, I, I know some of you a nice southern people would love this amount of sugar and this amount of water. And so I, I bet I would too. Uh, but life will give us difficult situations. It'll give us limits, you know, these sour situations. And what we're gonna talk about today is how do we how do we make that into something palatable, something refreshing, uh, the you know, making the best of the situation, and some of you uh, over the last few months have probably done something that you've never done before. There's probably maybe, maybe you joined a you are part of a gym and the gym's been closed, so you take that time that you would normally spent there. You picked up that guitar, uh, sitting around your house, and so you learn to play a few a few songs on the guitar, or uh, maybe you got more tech savvy, learning how to use Zoom or You were able to read more. You you, you, uh, had a couple books on your desk that you wanted to pick up and finally get to and finish. Or you might have been spending some more time with your family over the last few months, that you you were just running so quick uh, before everything changed that this gave you a chance to really be blessed by some time with your family. And the lemons and lemonade phrase, it can be a, a little... You know, it can create a a kind of a self reliant optimism, and that's not what we're necessarily talking about here. You know, what what I'm talking about there is is that, you know, you can just change your perspective and you can kind of just work hard enough that that things will turn out better for you. But that's not the expectation, that's not the full reality that uh, the Bible teaches us, because ultimately God is the one who brings the goodness and maturity. And ultimately, the lemonade from the lemons in life. You know, I'm a big proponent of the way of thinking. This is like, hey, you got it when the when the tough uh, tough times come. The tough get going. You know, kind of to pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. But the reality is, there's there are some times in life, there are some situations in life that we just simply cannot push through in our own strength. In those times, we really need to rely on God and trust in his strength as we walk through our struggles. And if you know anything about Joseph, then you know that this guy got a lot of lemons. This guy it was just one thing after another in his life. And some of you might feel that way about this year, 2020. My goodness. I mean, it just seems like there's one thing after another. Then you have you have a pandemic, and then there's there's rioting in the streets. It seems like the world's on fire. And then Oh, look, there's a hurricane coming. Oh, wow, great. You know, so it's just one thing after another. And what we're going to look at today is throughout this series is that God is good. And God is working behind the scenes, even when you can't see it. It's what Jesse reminded us of just a few moments ago with that wonderful song. And if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Uh, We're going to start out in verse 1. And while you're turning there, I just want to give you some background, a little bit of history on who Joseph is and how we get to this point. Because you might be able to connect some dots here to kind of put together uh, some stories in the Bible that you know of, of certain characters and realize, oh, okay, here's how those people are connected. So we'll start with Abraham, Father Abraham, as you might have known him or uh, sang a song about him in Bible school or something growing up. But Father Abraham, God took him out and he says, Abraham, look at the stars. I want you to look at the stars. Your descendants are gonna be as numerous as the stars. Well, the only problem was, Abraham didn't have any kids. And so he waited and waited on that promise. He and his wife, Sarah, waited a long time. They were getting pretty old. And God did deliver on that promise because God always keeps his promises. So they have a son, his name is Isaac, and Isaac is the son of the promise. Isaac marries a gal named Rebekah, and they have twins. They have two boys, Esau and Jacob. And so not, you might have uh, read the story of Esau and Jacob in Genesis just a few chapters back. They're, they were at odds with each other, even in the womb. The Bible says, as I was studying this week, the Bible says, that uh, their mom was like, what is going on? And what are you going to do? You go get an ultra, you know, she, she's like, what's going on? She goes to God, and, and God says, you know, they're, yeah, they're at, uh, you have two nations that come from you, and, and one, the younger will serve the older. And so when Esau is born, Esau is the firstborn, and Jacob comes out holding on to his heel. So it's almost like they were fighting for that firstborn position. And then as they get, as they get older, uh, as they grow up a little bit, Esau is, is kind of a, a, a man's man, kind of an outdoorsman. He likes to hunt. He likes to be out in the fields. And his dad is a big fan of that because he brings a lot of wild game back for his dad. And so he's kind of a daddy's boy. And then his brother, Jacob, stays more at home. Uh, he, he's kind of a mama's boy. He's real, he's real quiet. And Jacob's in, in he, he's at home. He, he's making a stew one day and his brother Esau comes in and he's real hungry he's been out in the fields he says brother give me some of that stew Jacob says well i'll give you some of this stew if you sell me your birthright so Esau makes a really bad deal and sells him his birthright and then later on Jacob tricks his father into giving him the family blessing so Jacob has has tricked his way into being that firstborn position in the family and then Jacob, he, he uh, has a lot of kids he, with, with a few different wives, and then he has a wife named Rachel, and they have a son, and his name is Joseph. And Joseph has 11 brothers and one sister, Dinah. So Joseph, his 11 brothers, are here, here are their names. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. It's a big family. And maybe I'll show you a family tree or something uh, next week. Uh, but in the, you know, these, these guys are the beginning. Uh, jo- Joseph and his eleven brothers are the beginning of what we know as the twelve tribes of Israel. And so now that you know kind of some of the backstory, a little bit of the, of who the characters are in this narrative. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into our text today. Will you pray with me, Father? Thank you for this time we have together, Lord, just to worship you. Uh, Lord, you're so good to us, Lord. You're, you're working even when we can't see it. And, uh, Lord, we, we love you and we thank you for caring about us. And, uh, Lord, just being patient with us when we continually uh, fail you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us today from your word that uh, even when we can't see the full picture, we can't see all the puzzle pieces put together, Lord, we can just trust you. And we know that you have plans for, for our good and your glory. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 37 will be in verse 1. It says Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel, who is Jacob, a little, another time out, uh, God has given Jacob a new name, he's given him the name of Israel, and so over the, throughout this series, over the next few chapters, you'll see him referred to as Jacob, and you'll see him referred to as Israel, and it's talking about the same individual. So it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. Because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, he made a robe of many colors, or as some translations read, a long-sleeved robe for him. And if you're a 90s kid or, or older, then you, you might remember the flannel graph uh, Bible studies that you did in, in uh, Sunday school or, or Bible school where it was you know, it's this kind of felt Board and you have these little silhouette figures. And we, I, re, I just remember uh, putting Joseph up there, and there was always a coat of many colors that you would just slap on Joseph there. Just a little blast from the past for y'all to uh, think back to. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, and this this coat that was given to him was a special gift to Joseph by his father, showing his favoritism to him. And you can imagine that every time he walks out in this, in this flamboyant, colorful coat, that his brothers see it, and it's just the constant reminder to them that, oh, yeah, I'm not dad's favorite. Joseph is. And so, you know, it has to anger them. Let, let's put this into perspective. Imagine you have a few brothers or sisters, and dad says, hey, on your 16th birthday, I'm going to buy you all a car. Okay, cool. Sounds good, dad. Well, you get a Toyota Camry, your brother gets a Honda Accord, they're all used cars, they're good cars, but they're, you know, pretty basic, and then you show up to your brother's birthday party, and he has a brand new 2020 Ford F-250 with a lift kit and all the bells and whistles sitting in there with a bow on it. Oh my goodness, are you not going to be a little envious are you not going to be a little angry every time he drives up to the family cookout in his Ford F-250 when your Honda Accord's sitting over in a driveway? So it's just a constant reminder of the envy and the anger that these guys are feeling. Joseph's brothers were not a fan of him and the favoritism shown to him by their dad. And verse 4 says this, it says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably about him. That's pretty bad. When you hate someone so much, you can't find one kind thing to say about them. But check out what happens next. Joseph, he, he just adds more fuel to the fire here. So verse 5, Then Joseph had a dream. He told it to his, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us, his brothers asked? Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. And if that's not enough, then he had another dream. And he told his brothers, look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, he said. Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph's father rebuked him or corrected him, but the Bible says that he kept the matter in mind because Jacob, or Israel, knows how God works. He's had a few dreams of his own that God has given him, and so he keeps the matter in mind because he knows ultimately God can do whatever he wants. So verse 12 His brothers had gone to pasture their flock, their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. And so let me show you a map here. I just want to show you kind of the journey that, um, there we go. It's up behind me. The journey that Joseph is about to go on. He heads out to meet his brothers Uh, at the beginning of what will be a very long road trip, essentially a 300-mile journey that will end up in Egypt. If you want to put this into perspective, think about If you're in Leland, North Carolina, and you're going to meet some family members up at Topsoil Beach, well, you end up in Savannah, Georgia. How in the world does that happen? Well, we're going to see in just a moment how this happens to Joseph. Verse 15 says, a man found him there, he's in Shechem now, he, a man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said, can you tell me where they're pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So if we put the map back up there for just one second, sorry, Kendon, uh, I want to show you where the, where the starting point, the end of the red line there is on the right of your screen, He goes to Shechem, and then he goes just a little bit farther to Dothan. And that's where the rest of this is going to take place. So he he goes to Dothan. And so Joseph set out after his brothers, and he found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So Joseph's brothers, they they see their opportunity to take out their anger on Joseph. And it's not looking good for him here, but watch his brother Reuben. He tries. He tries to help him out. Uh, When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood, throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Well, that's nice of you, brother. Well, don't kill him, but we'll throw him in a pit. Uh, intending, but he was intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. So his plan was to go back and get Joseph and return him to his father. And when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal. Hold on, just pause here. How mean can these guys be? They just threw their brother into a pit, and they're just going to sit down and have lunch now. So they have no regard for for their brother. Uh, And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their animals were carrying, or their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin going down To Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. So Joseph's brothers decide, okay, we're not going to kill him, but we're going to sell him to these uh, Ishmaelite traders and we're, we're going to make a little silver off of the deal. And so they, we'll, we'll go home with some silver in our pockets and then we'll take this robe that, that dad knows belongs to Joseph and we're going to dip in animal blood and we're going to take it home and tell dad that a vicious animal has attacked Joseph. And that's exactly uh, what they do. And in verse 36 tells us what happened to Joseph as he ends up on the 300-mile detour to Egypt. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and and the captain of the guards. So let's just pause for a minute. And let's just think about the plot twist that has just taken place. Joseph has it all. He is the apple of his father's eye he is the favorite son he has the the nice coat and God has given him dreams that he is destined for greatness then all of a sudden Joseph is betrayed by his brothers he's he's thrown into a pit he's sold as a slave and if that's not enough he finds himself far from home in a place that he never thought he would be But in chapter 39, verses 1 and 2 tell us something very special. This is something that is the central theme in this whole series. It says, now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man serving in the household of, the, of his Egyptian master. Did you catch that? The Lord was with Joseph. Maybe this year, 2020, is not going like you had hoped. Uh, some of you are experiencing depression and anxiety and financial hardships like never before. And you feel like, oh, this is... I, I don't know if I can handle this. This is crushing to my soul. I mean, this was supposed to be the year that we had a, had a big wedding, and now we're, our venue canceled, and we're in a backyard with a small group of family and friends, which is not a bad thing. It's just different. Or you're a, a senior in college, and you're involved in a campus ministry at your school, and, you're like, man, we're excited to see what God's going to do this year, and then classes are canceled, you're online, you're on your computer at home away from your friends and saying, what, what is the deal? This is not how I had planned it. Or, or maybe, hey, this was the year we were going to buy a house. Our family was going to buy a house, and then I've been furloughed for three months, and it changed everything. Well, you had all these plans for, for this year and then that were stopped short of a diagnosis that you didn't see coming. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. God will, we, we've heard the phrase that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, as nice as that sounds, it's simply not true, but God will never give you more than he can handle. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, we looked at it just a little while ago, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He say, Dan, I get that, but you just don't understand. You don't, you don't know what I'm experiencing. You don't, it's, just, it's just too much. I don't know if I can handle it any longer. Well, somehow, even though the circumstances are different, I think Joseph would understand. Imagine how he must have felt laying at the bottom of that pit. God, do you you care about me anymore? Why does this this hurt so bad? Why do I have to go through this? God, what about the dreams? The Lord was with Joseph from the pasture to the pit to the prison to the palace. You'll see in this series, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph, and here's what I need you to see this morning. I need you to see that God is writing a story. God is writing a story. He was writing a story in Joseph's life, and he's writing a story in your life and mine. And there's so many times that we want to skip ahead. We, like, like a good book, man, we just want to flip to the end and, and see what, it, what way it's going to play out. But often God wants us to trust him every step in the way. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, for a bag of silver by his brothers. He was betrayed by his brothers. Roughly 1,900 years later, Jesus Christ was betrayed by a man named Judas Iscariot for a bag of silver. They came and they led him away. Jesus was was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. And then after that, he was given a cross to carry up to the place where he would be crucified, where Roman soldiers would nail him to it, and he would hang there. He would suffer and he would die, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. He went there to pay the price for our sin. We have a suffering Savior. Jesus has experienced the pain that none of us could ever imagine going through. When you say, say, "I, I don't think anyone understands, when you pray, Jesus understands. And three days later, after he was crucified on that cross, he walked out of the tomb, giving us hope, giving us hope for today, giving us hope for tomorrow. That even though we don't know what the future holds, we don't know what is around the corner, we know that he holds our future in his hands just be reminded today that God is good and God is writing a story for your good and his glory. Let's worship him for that this morning.